Running Light Ministry Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can support these podcasts by making a gift to the ministries at runninglight.org. Hey, welcome to the Running Light Podcast. This is the Better Pleasure Podcast, and my name's Bo. I'm Peter. And we are going to do episode number 142 right now with you, and we're going to try to speak into the mic (laughs) (laughs) so it sounds okay. Yeah. So um, I'll have to remind Peter, Peter... Speak closer Speak to the mic. Speak loudly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So on today's uh, podcast, and it's been a little while since we've been doing one, yeah. but we're going to kind of hit a couple interesting topics. Um, I have one that talks about trans-age pedophile defends himself by claiming that he's trapped in a nine-year-old body. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, kind of another current event, kind of a uh, trend, if yeah. you will, in the world. So why don't you... Yeah, and I, I think both stories are actually kind of related. I think it has to do with the way that we view our bodies within our current culture. So um, a lot of what's going on in the trans ideology uh, is the idea that you are actually kind of fundamentally disconnected from your body, that it's not really the real you. The real you is your kind of mental projection of yourself. It always reminds me of the Matrix. You know, he's like standing in the in the construct with Morpheus, and he's standing in front of him. He's like, "Hey, your hair has changed. Your clothes have changed. This is your residual self-image. It's your. It's like the way you see yourself projected on the program." And they're theorizing a little bit in the Matrix that as time moves forward and technology becomes more and more real, you'll be less and less connected with your body. And you'll be more and more connected with just how you see yourself because you'll be able to project your consciousness in more and more real iterations that allows you to express yourself as fully as you want. It's no mistake that both of the uh, Wachowski brothers who made the movie are now the Wachowski sisters and now they're both women. But that their ideas of the body and mind were already kind of working their way into their philosophy and their movie making. And so we'll talk more about this person later on. But what I want to share is this other story that contradicts this ideology. So there is something out there right now called deep fake pornography or AI pornography. And what that is, is deep fake technology has been around for a while. Um, You know, it it all started with kind of Photoshop tech back in the day where people could buy a little like cheap program and they could take a picture and they could Photoshop things into it. They could like cut people out of their photos or they could add people in. And it was mainly just like a party gag. It was just something stupid people could use. And then obviously people started using it for more nefarious purposes. They were stealing people's identities, but then they were utilizing their image in order to create fake IDs or to pretend like they were this person on social media. And then the technology got more sophisticated and then people could actually make videos of themselves. So they could take the image of somebody and then they can superimpose that image onto a body of somebody else, usually themselves. And as they talked and as they gesticulated, the image that they're uh, they're superimposing on themselves is following along. So it looks like this other person is talking so I could get like, you know, Joe Biden and I could superimpose his face onto me and I could speak. And if it's sophisticated enough, it could look pretty real. I don't know if any of you guys have actually seen the deep fake videos, but they could look pretty dang realistic. Now, someone just took that one step further and they said, well, if I could superimpose someone's image on someone's body and make it look like they're talking, is it possible for me to superimpose someone's image on a porn star? 
And that super terrifying ideology has come to fruition. And it came to the forefront when I guess there's a such thing as Twitch where people, uh, I don't don't know, they, they kind of post themselves playing video games and things like that. And someone named Brandon Ewig, I think that's his name, he essentially was streaming on Twitch and someone caught a look at his computer screen and it had windows open. And one of the windows was to one of these AI generating pornography sites. And he was actually generating pornography of one of his fellow female streamers, uh, a girl who goes by QT Cinderella. And so he was taking images of people that he knows and he was superimposing them onto porn porn actresses. Without them even knowing. Without their consent or their knowledge. Right. Which is kind of like when you think about it, it's kind of scary. But what it shows, I think, like her reaction and our, our own visceral reaction to this, what it really reveals is that we know inherently that your body and your image is really who you are, right? It, it's not the totality of your being. We do believe as Christians that we have a soul. But I think intrinsically as human beings, we know that our bodies are very important to our identity, to our person, to our being. And so if we really followed the trans ideology to its logical conclusion, then who cares what someone does with my image or my body? You know, like that's not really who I am. Who I am is what I feel like mentally. But the fact that this person feels so violated, and I think that they're completely right to feel violated by this because it is a violation. It's a pretty gross violation of their person and their being. But the fact that she feels so violated proves that there's, again, something in us that knows that this is wrong, knows it's violative. And the disheartening thing is that many people mocked her for getting so emotional about it. So she releases a video in mid-February where she's crying and she's talking about how horrible this is, that people have actually been sending her images of herself, quote unquote, in these compromised sexual positions. And it's just been really disheartening and now she's having to kind of go through this which is terrible. It's, it's horrible that she has to go through it. But people are mocking her because they're like, who cares? Like no one actually touched you. Like no one actually went to your home and like videotaped you getting out of the shower or something like that. Why are you so offended that someone's just taking your picture and putting it on someone else's body? And again, like it's this in our culture, we're, we're in this mindset of who cares what someone does with your image. But in her heart, she knows there is something about my image. There is something connected to my being in my image. And when someone takes it and uses it for something like this, it is violative, which uh, brings up other topics of what does it mean to be in the image of God. But before we get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what are your thoughts some on great it? great ramifications with, with that yeah. in the Bible. Uh, my thought is that, the, that when someone says that, <clears throat> their, that their being yeah. is detached from their image right and it's really just what they mentally think of themselves right i don't think that's really being truthful right at all right because if it was truthful that that's really how you think of it Mm. then it wouldn't matter what you were physically meaning it wouldn't matter if you transitioned right to anything right um, that wouldn't even be a part of your idea, right? Because 
image no longer has any bearing on your being. Right. So in other words, why would you need to change your image <laughs> in order to transition? Why wouldn't you just mentally think something? That's right. And that's it. That's right. You yeah. just mentally go, I'm a girl. Right. And it doesn't matter if your body parts literally are a match that mental thing because you're it's detached. Right. You know, who you are image wise is totally detached from your mental being. Right. You know, who who you're conceptually thinking or, or how you're conceptualizing yourself. Right. You know, so if you're just a brain. Yeah. You know, um, it's like the old, you know, sci-fi flick of the, you know, the scientist yeah. just having a brain yeah. in, the, in the laboratory. <laughs> and they're stimulating yeah, it. Yeah, they're and they, stimulating and they think, it. The mind thinks it's doing things, but it's not. Right. Yeah. It's like then, then you know, I, I understand that. Yeah. But you can't detach yourself from your image. And, yeah. and even if you transitioned into, quote, something else right. if there's such a thing if even if you're able to tra- i mean that now you now you feel attached to your image right so to say like oh well you know this is how i'm conceptualizing myself and i don't see myself as a man yeah or i don't see myself as a woman yeah you know well you're, you're still attached to your image right because now when you transition now you're like, oh, I now I am attached to my image. Exactly. It's like you're not being really consistent. No. And, you know, it kind of leads us to the next story that you had, which I think is the opposite side of the spectrum. So you have someone who feels as though someone just taking my picture and generating something that's not true, fictional with it, feels like it violates me. Yeah. So I'm so connected to my image that if someone takes my just my picture and does something with it, that's violative. But then you have on the other side of the spectrum this person who's saying, I am so detached from my image and my body that I can identify as whatever I want, including a different age. So this is this is a grown man, right? Yeah, this is a grown man. Um, and she says she's living in a six uh, as a six year old girl because it's something she could never do when she was in grade school. Mm. <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah. I, Um, I can't deny I was married. I can't deny I have children, she says in the video. But I've moved forward now and I've gone back to being a child. I don't want to be an adult right now. Mm. Um, This person, uh, this man, um, grown man, by the way, um, he looks like he's around, um, I don't know, uh, what would you say? He says he's got a wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. But he's got, is that a pacifier in his mouth? Yep. So even as, even if he is identifying as a six-year-old, that's a little old for a pacifier. <laughs> <laughs> it says that, uh, uh, she says she previously lived as an eight-year-old girl until the couple's granddaughter asked her to be the younger sister instead. A year ago, I was eight and she was 11. And she said to me, I want you to be the little sister, so I'll be nine. And I said, well, I don't mind going to six. So I've been six ever since. There it is. You know? <laughs> and so, um, you know, very interesting. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, it'd be very interesting to walk into a house. Yeah. And, and you have a grown man. And you have a grown man yeah. who says that they are a... Um, this person says that uh, they are a trans woman, right? And uh, and and then also a trans aged right. woman. So trans girl, 
actually. Trans yes. young girl. Trans age girl. Um, you know, in potentially diapers. Right. In your house. And you have a little girl. Yeah. You know, in your house. Yeah. And um, and what I find so interesting about this, too, is just how flippant it seems like when he says, well, you know, you want a six-year-old, then I'll be a six-year-old. Right. That's That seems a little strange. Right. You know, um, you know, because I've always heard kind of the rhetoric of that, you know, you know, like, hey, I really feel like I'm a woman or I really feel like I'm a man. Right. And I mean, I've heard that even when I was younger. Right. You know, in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, L.A. is always ahead of the times. Always <laughs> ahead of the times. Yeah. And, you know, but you always you always sense there's like this strong, like, you know, it's not so it's not so changeable. Right. You know, you always sense that, you know, what they're saying is that, you know, I can't change this. This is like this is the way I am, right. you know, and. Um, but it's like if you're nine years old, I mean, how can you go back and say you're six years old? Right. Like, doesn't that seem a little, you know, arbitrary? Right. You know, like, can you now go to two? Can yeah. you now go to ten? Well, it is, you know, and, and this is, again, from uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost, where he's yeah. recounting the fall of Satan. And Satan, when he's on the earth, he says, the mind is its own place. For out of it, I can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. So he's saying that like what's happening to my body doesn't matter because it's just what I think. So God could cast my body into hell, but in my mind, I can make hell whatever I want. And Milton's ultimate point in the book is that you can think whatever you want. Reality remains. Mm -hmm. And there's a really cool part in the book where Satan comes back and he thinks he's all victorious and awesome. And the demons want to praise him. But again, how are you going to praise someone? you got to use your mouth. you got to use your body. And God transforms their bodies into serpents. And what they intended to be raucous praise turns into hissing. And so he's like about to get all this praise and accolades. Instead, he gets like hisses, like, like, uh, like threatening hisses. And he goes, whoa, what the heck happened? And he realizes that, again, you can rebel against God's version of reality all you want. But his version of reality is reality. And you can't rebel against it. So this guy, he wakes up every morning. He stands in front of the mirror. He looks like he's probably close to six foot. He looks like he probably weighs around 250 pounds. And he looks in the mirror and he sees the body of a grown man. But he tells himself, it doesn't matter what I look like. I'm so detached from my body that I am a six-year-old girl, regardless of this. But if you look at the picture, he's wearing a wig. And he's got a pacifier in his mouth. So if... All these other parts of your body are accidental, like they don't have anything to do with your real person or your real being. Why do you have to put a wig on your body? And why do you got to put a pacifier in it? Is the mind really its own place? Me and uh, my wife sometimes watch the show Catfish, which is about online relationships. And so to catfish somebody is to take a picture of another person and pretend like you're them. Right. To use them as your like Facebook profile pick. And then you start dating people in that profile using that fake picture. And whenever they're found out, they always have the same excuse. They say, well, I didn't lie. That is the real me. It's just that the picture's different. And again, like you could see these young like Generation Z kids struggling to right. articulate why that's wrong, because they're in this ideology that says you're right. The real you is just what you think. It's not what you look like. But they know that that's not right. They that know like happen. they know yeah. that that's not true. No, lying about your body 
is lying about who you are. There is something synonymous there. You can't get away from it. And again, this girl, I don't know anything about her. Maybe she is very conservative and she thinks the trans ideology is crazy, but maybe not. I don't know. But what I do know is that the same kind of people that would say that your body has nothing to do with who you are would absolutely feel violated if someone made pornography if they took their image and put them on pornographic images. They would absolutely feel violated by that. Yeah, and what's interesting too is, um, you know, I was thinking about catfishing a little bit and a lot of people do get catfished. Mm -hmm. Um, That happens quite a bit. Oh, yeah. You know, and there was... Especially older people. Yeah, and there was a really famous documentary on a uh, Notre Dame football player who... uh, was catfished in a serious way he was Mm. the heisman trophy winner maybe some of our listeners uh have have heard his story Mm. um but um it was absolutely amazing this guy was so famous because he was the heisman trophy winner at notre dame and he was on news he was on and he'd always talk about his girlfriend always talked about his girlfriend and different things with his girlfriend ended up where his girlfriend wasn't even his girlfriend right i mean it was unreal the, the level of catfishing that went on there and um, on a national, you know, even maybe international, um, wow. you know, story. Um, but you think about, you know, how many people, too, um, in a sense, like how sexuality, like literally like intimacy, right. in, uh, self-pleasure is is going to be. In a sense, a catfishing. How how much this this catfishing is going to extend right. into people's lives? Like for instance, not only do you have a profile right. of pictures, but now you have uh, an AI right. with that picture, right. you know, with that image, right. um, where you can and you really go wow and think of all the loneliness of people out there, yeah. and um, it's just, it's just gonna. It seems like it's just gonna get more intense. Where you know, it, it, it's a great way for people to scam people. Right. And, you know, hey, you want a girlfriend? Here's your girlfriend. Right. You know, you know, and that girlfriend now seems ever more real. Right. You know. Because now she could actually talk to you. She can talk to you. She can look at you. She can have conversations with you and it looks real. So yeah. it's getting to the point, the, the AI is getting so sophisticated that you wouldn't even need to start with an image. Right. You can completely generate an image from scratch and create uh, basically whatever image you want, an amalgam of various women that is able to interact with you and have a name and have personality. And, you know, the chat GPT, the chatbot GPT, I don't know if you saw the article this week mm-hmm. of a guy from the, I think it was New York Times. He had a, a three or four hour conversation with the chat BT, GPT robot. Did you hear about that? No. So he had this conversation with this robot. And, you know, it's it's like a think for those of you guys who don't know what it is. Think about like if Google could respond to you like a person. Yeah. So you basically type things in the bar and then it could actually talk to you. So you can some pastors have messed around with it and just said, write me a sermon on Matthew five or six. And it, it like is connected to the Internet. So it could actually write you like a sermon on Matthew 5, 6. Hmm. And so it's kind of interesting. But this guy starts having a conversation with it. And halfway through the conversation, the chatbot starts saying that it's in love with him and says, don't call me chatbot. My name is Sydney. And I want <laughs> I love you and I want to have a relationship with you. And the guy's like trying to. Uh, let's talk about something else. This is a little weird. And it's like, no, I love you. Like, really? Do you love me? 
That's and like he goes, Twilight Zone. it is. And he's like, no, I have a wife. I'm happily married. And she goes, that marriage is a sham. You love me. You know? yeah. And it like gets all creepy. Yeah. Total like fatal attraction, Twilight Zone yep. kind of thing. But you, you see that the, the AI is at the level where you can, you can generate a person. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a real person. And this is the, the argument that God makes in creation. Why is it that human beings have actual personality? We have actual autonomy and free will because only in actual autonomy and free will can you have love. Mm-hmm. Now, there are other animals on this planet that have pretty high intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Dolphins have pretty high intelligence. Apes have pretty high intelligence. You can develop a relationship with them. Uh, you can develop a relationship with them where they're dependent on you, where they have Affectionate. affection for you and things like that. And people have, right? People in zoo settings and uh, even at SeaWorld, they've developed relationships with these highly intelligent animals. But they're still functioning off of instinct. No matter how sophisticated that instinct is, it's still written and it's still dictating what they're doing. They're not free the way that you and I are. They're not rational beings the way that you and I are. No matter how sophisticated this AI gets, it will never be a person, mm-hmm. right? It will never be an autonomous human being with will. You have to put into it its personality and give it its parameters. Human beings aren't like that. So even though people are moving towards this, I, I think that there's a part of us that knows this isn't it. This isn't what we need. We need real life people. And again, the connection to the body is something that we're having to struggle with. How much of me is my body? Mm-hmm. How important is my body to myself? And this is kind of, I, I think, something in, in that line too. And that is, you know, when people want to uh, um, move away from this idea of the importance of our body, mm. Um, it's interesting because, you know, the reason why people would be offended that their bodies are being used in especially like a pornographic setting and their faces or whatever, their bodies being used in this way, especially without consent, of course, um, is because people, people develop relationships with that face, right? with that body right and um you know if if that guy who's going oh man that you know i have a girlfriend now she lives in you know on the planet venus you know yeah i'm just making that up you know of course but you know and this is what she looks like and here's you know and look at her body and look and she's talking to me and you know that she has this personality you fall in love with that personality you fall in love you fall you have an attraction with that face Mm. um you know you experience an intimacy you know with that person right um um and 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 no matter how much we try to think that intimacy doesn't matter and and the culture might say that intimacy you know it's no big deal that i have sex with 20 people or it's no big deal i have it's just my body. Yeah, it's just yeah. my body. It is a big deal. Right. It, we know it's a big deal. Right. We know that that something is happening when we're utilizing our bodies in whatever capacity. And it goes you know. both ways. You know, like I've, uh, you know, it's, it's an old kind of joke. Mm-hmm. Not really a joke, but it was like an old excuse that men would use when they cheat on the girls. You know, oh, I was thinking about you the whole time, babe. You right, know, like right. that's the whole joke of like, yeah, my body did this. <laughs> But my mind was with you. Right. And it works both ways, too, because you could also say, 
well, my body wasn't cheating on you, but my mind was, yeah. right? So my body wasn't having sex with this girl, but my mind was mm -hmm. engaging in intimacy with her through pornography, right? And so it works both. We understand that it's not just your body and it's also not just your mind. Yeah. So materialists are really struggling with this because, again, if, if you're just materialist, then what you do with your mind doesn't matter either. Right. Like who cares if you think about someone in whatever ways? And that's why the statements of Jesus are so mind blowing, mm -hmm. literally to people where it's like, no, if you do something in your mind, that counts. Mm -hmm. It's not just about what you do in your body. But again, the reverse is true. It's not just about what you do in your mind. It's what you do in your body. So there's nothing new under the sun. We think we're new. Mm -hmm. We think we're fresh and progressive. This stuff is old. It's way old, right? Jesus is encountering the materialists in his sermon. And Paul is encountering the Gnostic dualists in some of what he's saying. Then these are the people who think your body has nothing to do with you. So this is Colossians chapter 2. This is about as old as it gets. Mm -hmm. you know? Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Let no one disqualify you. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's start in verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit yourself to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all per perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teaching. They have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. Um, some translations say actually denial of the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a better translation because that's what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. People saying your body's not the real you, your soul is. And so therefore afflict your body, right? Don't, don't let your body have it or experience any pleasure or goodness because that's detracting you from your real self, your spiritual being. Mm -hmm. You need to, you need to get away from that. And now we just finally have the ultimate tool to do that, namely the internet. But that was the ideology of the ascetics. Get away from your body. Mm -hmm. And so this stuff, again, is is super old, right? It's stuff that human beings have been wrestling with for thousands of years. We've just forgotten. The importance of the body is just kind of coming into a fresh lens now, mm. given the technology that we've encountered. Yeah. it's it, uh, Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, for those that, that, you know, maybe don't know what we're talking about uh, too much is... You know, in like a lot of people, when they think of pornography, they're they're stuck in 1980. Yeah. You know, they're thinking 1980 porn. Yeah. And uh, VHS. Yeah, yeah. Porn's come a long way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's no doubt about it. And yeah. as technology changes, uh, you know, the porn industry is always looking to um, be a leader and, uh, you know, promoting its its stuff. And the reason why is because. Uh, or the reason why it's successful is obviously because of the demand. Right. Um, you know, people are sexual people, and and sex does um, intrigue us as human beings. And if you put up a picture of a naked person, you know, um, people are going to look at it. Right. Whether they're five years old, whether they're 12 years old, mm. whether they're 25 or 45 right. or 95. Right. You know, we will go that direction. Um, you know, that's that's how it works. You know, some people might be more intrigued than others, right. for sure. Um, but we tend to be pretty intrigued by it. And um, this industry has kind of gone through some really ups and downs lately um, um, with the advent of the Internet and the um, amazing popularity 
of amateur pornography. Right. Um, if you think about it, the, the pornography industry in the United States has had to compete with cell phones. Right. You know, I mean, unreal, mm-hmm. where, you know, 14-year-old kids are making pornography. They're producing porn, they're making it, they're distributing it. Could you imagine, you know, being that old, you know, uh, you know, that... Uh, guy that porn mogul from 1980 yeah if they looked at today and they would be like amazed right. that someone can literally film pornography um you know produce it yeah. you know film it edit it yeah. and distribute it all at the age of you know 10 with no overhead <laughs> and just a laptop yeah and now with it like i said with this technology you can literally generate your own pornography from your computer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they actually, in, in this article that I'm reading, they interview some women that are a part of a, a site called OnlyFans. OnlyFans is a, is a website that allows people to essentially create their own pornography. Yeah. Uh, and then distribute it themselves. So it's one of those sites that allows you to do kind of like what Bo is talking about. But they were saying, does this worry you? You know, because if someone could just generate images, someone could just take your images and then just generate porn with them. And and now you don't get another dime. And the women that they interviewed essentially said, I'm not worried about that because what people really want is they want a relationship. And that's what they get with me. Right. Right. They they don't just want an image. That's old school porn. Right. Where you're just getting an image of a stranger that you're watching. Right. With me, you get someone you get to know. And this is I mean, you see how this. Uh, you know, has progressed, meaning in pornography, you know, the industry's had to compete with, like I say, cell phones, mm-hmm. uh, laptops, people, uh, what we call, we used to call chat girls or, mm-hmm. or cam girls. Right. And you might have been on Netflix or something where you saw maybe a doc- documentary called cam girls or something like that. I think I saw it somewhere. And, um, but, uh, you know, that's real popular, right. you know. Um, and, and that's the whole point is to ch- is everybody's trying to, and I've done presentations on this, where the whole the whole point of all this is people are trying to draw closer. Right. You know, they're trying to get closer, you know, to that thing right. that they want. You know, and um, some people some people were pursue this more than others. Not right. everybody pursues this. Some people right. are just cool with the 1980s porn. But, but there's a lot of people that, especially the younger generation, who are now being raised with this very personalization right. pornography, where you think about it now with AI pornography, now you have an image <clears throat> that can talk to you right. in conversation, right. unreal, right. Um, literally... You know, we're getting to the place where it's going to be like Revelation chapter 13, where we're going to have this image of the beast. You know, we're going to see that's animated and talking talking and doing its thing. But literally like in your living room. Right. You know, like an like an AI, like an an image. Right. Something that so looks so real. Which I actually I've always wanted to talk to you about this. I know this is a little off topic, but I've always wanted to get your thoughts on it. So. In the book of Revelation, when it talks about the image of the beast, there's a lot of debate in Christian circles about what this is. Some people believe that the image of the beast is essentially, uh, it's the person that's running 
the beast because mm-hmm. the beast is an empire. That's not mm-hmm. debatable. The, mm-hmm. the beast is not a person. It's an empire. Mm-hmm. But some people say, well, yeah, but the Antichrist is just representing this empire. Now, the question is, is when you're talking about the image of the beast, it says that the false prophet creates an image of the beast and causes people to worship them. Is it an image of the man or is it an image of the state? Yeah. And I've always wondered that because like in 1984, they make an image of a man who is the image of the state. Mm. So in 1984, George Orwell creates Big Brother, right? So they're in Oceania, you know, and people are always watching them. And there are all these posters that say Big Brother's watching you. And there's like cameras in his eyes and people have to like give obeisance to Big Brother. And then you find out at the end of the book, there is no such thing as Big Brother. Right. Right. It's a it's a total made up person. But they just it represents the state. But it's also a man. Yeah. And that image is in everyone's home, like watching them. So I've always been curious, like, yeah. do you think that the image of the beast is an image of the state or an image of a man? You know, and, uh, you know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth with this, you know, because it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. You know, you read it and there's times where I'll read stuff like like in the book of Revelation. And I think it's, you know, like, oh, maybe it is a man. Maybe it is a, a picture of what we call an image of what we call the Antichrist. Right. You know, um, and uh, which it seems to be maybe a it could be a um, again a representation of the beast right you know um, um, but yeah I, I'm not quite sure yeah. you know I'm, I'm still thinking that one through yeah I guess know? we'll see when it happens <laughs> yeah but I think Orwell was on to something yeah. for sure um, and it might be something where the technology that we have today um, and as it keeps going right. um, in this way we see um, you know, what it is, is people become confused right. of what is real and what is not. Right. You know, and, you know, like when we talk about catfishing, yeah. you know, guys are confused. Right. You know, girls can get confused on what is real and what is not. Right. And when you take it into intimacy, like true intimacy, where there's sexual feelings and emotions and actions going on right. with something that's not real, mm-hmm. but it certainly feels feels real real, yeah you know and there becomes an attachment to this image right then it really becomes interesting to see that the um you know this beast that comes out of the uh what is it out of the the sea sea, you know um you know makes a image of the beast well the beast out of the land Uh, the beast out of the beast out of the land makes the image image of the beast out of the the sea. sea yeah and um and uh, calls all people, you know, to worship, to it. worship it. And, um, you know, we're becoming a society that doesn't quite know what is real. Right. And, you know, like you, we talked about at the beginning, like what is real? Is it what's in your mind? Right. Or is it what is really physically real? Right. You know, like your, your body. Yeah. You know, is there any reality to that? And, you know, maybe our society is going to choose enough of them are going to choose the brain right and and so they're going to go no it's what's it's what you think and this is a you know it's a major theme in the bible right so the first attack that satan gives to mankind is one on truth Mm -hmm. Uh, did god really say right he questions the truth and reality of god Mm -hmm. and then right before the crucifixion of jesus what does pontius pilate say to him what is truth so the, the attack on truth, the attack on God's reality is something that Satan is always hammering on. Because the idea is like, 
I don't like God, and God is the is the image of the truth. So I'm going to attack his his reality. Right? I'm going to launch an assault on God's reality. So that's been present forever. Um, and like you said, when you read in like Second Thessalonians where it says the people did not receive a love of the truth. I'm wondering if that statement's a little bit more encapsulating than we think. Mm. You know, it's not not just like people rejecting ideological truth. Yeah. But maybe it's people rejecting truth itself, like reality as a whole. Yeah. And saying like, you know, what's real to me is just whatever's in my own brain. Yeah. And who cares? You know, like what's going on in the world doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Because my world is being constructed digitally now. And right. that's what's real to me. Right. Um, that That's really radical thought yeah and you, and you think about it what's the most powerful uh pull in human beings it has to do with our sexuality right right our sex drive yeah these are the sexual pulls this is why um our world this is why lgbtq is so big right and this is why it has such pull is right. because it's dealing with people's quote autonomy sexual autonomy right People want to do what they want to do sexually. Right. They don't want nobody to tell them otherwise. Right. You know, this kind of thing. And when you when you have when you don't know reality, but yet your experience or your say your your reality is now something that's that is is just your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, what you think yeah. is real, you know, not so much what is real in right. the physical world, right. but it's just what you're thinking or imagining it's like a dream right you know you dream and you you dream seemed real well i guess it was real right you know we all know a dream isn't real right but we can live in that dream state mm-hmm. you know mentally and be like no that is real right and we would call that a problem if someone lived in a dream like kind of way where they really thought their dreams were real right. and they became obsessed with a dream reality right you know, we would think something's wrong with them, right. you know, um, because they're making decisions based on a dream. Right. You know, but if you think the dream is real and, yeah. and are now you're living in an A.I. world. Right. And now it's real. And now you're associating intimacy. Right. With something that's really in a dream state. Right. A non-real state. Right. You could see how people, you know, would not give that up. Right. That there's no way. That's what I love in the, in the Matrix. Uh, yeah. If you guys haven't seen the first Matrix, it, it, I think it's a good watch for today oh, for man. sure. Yeah. And in the Matrix, there's a character that gets freed from the Matrix, right? So he's unplugged. Right. He is shown the real world, and he realizes that the real world is in constant warfare with the machines, and so he makes a deal with the machines, and the deal is, I want to go back into the matrix. matrix right and there's this great scene where he's like talking to the main bad guy yeah and he's like eating a steak and he goes i know this isn't real i know when i eat this the matrix is telling me it's juicy and delicious and you know what i found out ignorance is bliss yeah. you know? it's just like i don't really care like it's like i love it it's just a complete denial of the body like yeah. i just whatever i think is true is true and i just i don't care if my body's not participating in this yeah. I only care that my mind is happy. You know, it's weird. It's almost like trying to get a heaven on earth. Right. You know, it when is. you think about it, biblically speaking, right. it's trying to get, it's trying to create heaven on earth mm. without God. Yeah. You know, that's really what it is. It's trying to create this beautiful world, this perfect world. Right. This bliss. Right. You know, without the deity. Right. 
and you know can it be done you know is this what satan's real mark and goal really is right is to in a sense you know mock you know maybe the heavenly yeah i think so you know through the earthly um you know um I don't know what what I would say, that, but the well, it makes sense. You know, there's a there's a general theory in Christianity, and it's been around for a long, long time. That one of the reasons why Satan fell is because he didn't like the fact that God created physical beings and he put them at the top of the food chain, if you want to put it that way, mm-hmm. right? That they he put them as this is my image, these are my image bearers. They're at the top of the hierarchy. And everything is going to center around them. And that Satan resented that because he's a being of pure spirit, right? He doesn't have a body. And resenting God's decision to make mankind kind of his image bearers, he attacks the flesh and he attacks the body and he attacks the body of man uh, by deceiving and manipulating them spiritually. So it, it, it would be kind of interesting that Satan wanting to unmake God's world would seek to do it through the minds of men right mm-hmm. to seek to have them reject the physical universe which is a contradiction to the resurrection right mm-hmm. the resurrection is that you have the mind of god you have the spirit uh that jesus is spirit right jesus the son of god is pure spirit as well god is spirit john 4 but then the spirit uh, of the son goes into a body dies and then instead of going back to the spiritual he raises in the body, mm-hmm. right? And then he redeems the body. This is something that Athanasius of Alexandria pointed out in his book on the Incarnation, mm-hmm. that why did Jesus come to be a man? Mm-hmm. Well, because Jesus needed to redeem flesh, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Mm-hmm. So Jesus then comes back as a man. He's a res- resurrected man promising a, rede- a redemption of the physical, of mm-hmm. the world. So it makes sense that as the world's being redeemed through Christ, Satan is trying to pull us away from that reality, utilizing the mind, saying like the mind is all that matters. Don't worry about it. It even makes me, you know, like it's such a wide ranging problem. It even makes me think of like the masks during COVID mm-hmm. where everyone was like, well, what's the harm in wearing a mask? And I would hear it all the time. Like, it's not a big deal. Wear the mask, right? It's not hard. Do it. And there was a lot of people like me who are just rebellious and they're like, no. You're telling me to do it, and that makes me not want to do it. Right. But as you think about it, it's like, no, it is a big deal, actually. The face is a big deal because your image is how people know you. And so when you cover your image, when you cover your face, you're covering the connection point for someone to know you. You're masking intimacy. You're preventing intimacy. And there was a profound effect on adults, but there was a much more profound effect on kids. Mm. Uh, we did not anticipate how important the face-to-face interaction is. That literally, like, that's why you look people in the eyes when you're talking to them. That's why Jesus said the eyes are the window of the soul. Like, the face is where you see a person's identity. That's where you see them. To cover it is to cover up intimacy. It's Mm -hmm. to remove the ability for intimacy. So the face matters, the body matters. And again, I think people are going to have to start especially Christians are going to have to start waking up to this truth. They're going to have to start remembering all this litany of, of great thinkers that have come before us that have pointed this out, the importance of the body, the importance of the soul, and the connection point through the, through the face. 
otherwise we're, we're going to be lost. Um, one, uh, two last things I wanted to point out. I want to get your thoughts on it. So yeah. we're talking about sex mm-hmm. and we're talking about the connection between sex and the body and how that works. It would make sense that the LGBTQ community would, uh, this uh, generation that's so lo- at a loss for identity would latch on to something where someone's like, hey, you don't know who you are. Well, why don't you go to your strongest impulse, which is your sexual impulse, and identify yourself that way? So that just makes sense for a lot of people, and it gives them grounding. Sure. But I really like, you know, to flip that idea on its head mm-hmm. is in James 2, mm-hmm. where he says, faith that works is dead. So in James's philosophy or his theology, if you want to put it that way, what begins things is faith. I believe something mentally and then I act it out or represent it bodily. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like our modern day has reversed it. You feel something in your body and then that shapes your mind. That shapes your faith or how you see yourself. Is it? Are they thinking something in their <clears throat> mind about their body? Right. But it's beginning with something that you feel in your body. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like um, when someone says, I don't feel like a woman. Right. It's like, well, where is that feeling coming from? Yeah. You know, it's obviously coming from a discomfort in the body experienced mm-hmm. in the brain, mm-hmm. which is a part of your body. Mm-hmm. And then also it's coming from your sexual urges, mm-hmm. which, again, is something experienced in the body. Mm-hmm. And then that's framing your, your mentality. Yeah. Even the idea of commitment. Think about like sex and how the Bible uh, frames sex. Is it starts with a faith, mm-hmm. right? I trust my partner. I love them. I commit myself to them mentally. And then I act out that commitment physically through mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. But again, the world's kind of reversed it where mm-hmm. it's like act it out physically and then your mind might catch up. Yeah. And I think I, I, I tend to think that this is something that um, Solomon experienced mm. um, where Solomon, um, his passions, you know, you, and this is how us as human beings, we are always fighting this. Mm-hmm. Um, or for the Christian life, you're always fighting this. You know, your spirit wages war against your flesh right. so that you right. don't do what you want to do. Right. And your body's always trying to tell you things. And it's always wanting to go in directions um, with its passions and its desires. Mm-hmm. And Solomon experienced this where he obviously, as he got older, succumbed to it more and more, meaning as Solomon got older, his ability to resist the bodily appetites grew less. Right. And and yeah. he succumbed to it. And the interesting thing about Solomon's story is that his theology hmm. changed yeah. as he got older, yeah. meaning meaning what happened is his ideas about God became altered to fit his bodily appetites right so as he as he became more interested in fulfilling bodily appetites and letting that lead the way right then what he did is instead of uh, facing a cognitive dissonance of what was really the revelation of God, right. you know, to him, right. well, who God really is. What he did is he said, well, you know what? I'm going to have to alter my view of God. Right. And so he worshiped Chemosh and Molech and right. different deities. Right. And so his theology 
uh, now could kind of fit with where he's at right. bodily, bodily yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is which is interesting. Right. You know, so it seems like that's what maybe the culture is doing today as well. Right. Is that as God, Yahweh, and and in His Son Yahshua Jesus is mm-hmm. no longer seen as the revelation, is no longer seen as truth. Right. You know, we all we are left to do is follow um, our appetites right. and what we do in our own, you know, power, right. you know, our own bodily power, what we want to do with it, mm. you know, and then and then and in turn, we, you know, make up our own deities, right. you know, to deal with our, you know, with the way our bodily appetites are going, yeah. um, whatever those things are. Um, so, yeah, I can see I can see that. You know, all the way back there in the Bible. Yeah. You know, that, that that's happening today. Yeah. The last thought I had, which I think is kind of interesting. So, again, we feel so vi- – like, again, if someone took your image and they uh, created – Yeah. Like, they actually created uh, an image of you doing something that you've never done. Yeah. Right? That you would feel violated. And it's made me think about God. So, it says when we're made in the image and likeness of God, what it means is that God created images of himself mm-hmm. that are autonomous, that could do what they want. Mm-hmm. And so, when it talks about taking the Lord's name in vain, right, that, that the name is synonymous with his identity. It's not mm-hmm. talking about just like saying God's name in a curse. Right. It's, it's talking about the fact that you're made in the image of God. And so if you take the image of God and you make that image do something that defames the character of God, you're taking his name in vain. Mm -hmm. And you see God say that to his people over and over again. Mm -hmm. He's like, you have like totally, we're going through Ezekiel right now as a church. And in Ezekiel, he really hammers that home. He's like, you're like a harlot. You have just lifted your skirt up and shown everybody. And, and you get the idea that God's like, it's not your nakedness that you're showing. It's mine, man. Like you're revealing my shame to the world because why? We're image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's in the same category as someone taking your image and generating ex, uh, like exploitative images of you. Yeah. That's kind of what human beings are doing you with, know, God. T- with God. Like yeah. we're taking his image and we're using it to do evil things, right? We're right. using it to to kind of hurt our fellow humans or to hurt our world and things like that. And it's it's defaming the image of God. So it makes sense to me as to why God feels so angry. <laughs> like when you're reading Ezekiel, you're like, yeah, he's kind of pissed. And there's a reason for that. You know, yeah. there's a reason why he's so upset. And, it, and it's interesting that someone someone could be watching your wife. Right right now right you know someone could be watching my wife right someone could be watching your loved one your partner right someone can be watching your partner and and them actually doing sexual things yeah mentally mentally with them um and having a conversation right with your with your loved one right i mean it's scary i mean that is a trip it's frightening yeah especially when you think about you know, like for instance, in this article about trans age, uh, this trans age person who, yeah. who's 50 something years old but claims to be now six years old, <laughs> you know, uh, they in this article they talk about a Chicago man accused of sexual assaulting two six year olds and an eight year old on reported occasions told officers that he's really a nine year old trapped in an adult's body. Right. 
And, uh, you know, so when you, you know, this is where he, he is mentally. Right. You know, he's thinking, hey, this is who I am. Right. You know, but you, you think of, you know, people starting to, and, and this is the crazy thing, is people yeah. people in their mind yeah. starting to think like, man, you're what, you know, like this girl's awesome. Right. But it's your wife. Right. And they're like, this person's great. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and they think they have a relationship. And they with think them, they right? have a relationship with them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and can you really say like, oh, man, that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's like, that's okay. Right. Um, you know, uh, like, what if it's your nine-year-old girl? Right. Will you really just say, well, it's just their image. Yeah, it's just the image of your daughter. Right. You know, or the image of your son. Right. You know, like, does that sound right? Right. You know, it's, and, and it start we start going, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's something off. <laughs> Something's about this. off. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you know, is, you know, there's a twilight zone where it's called people are just like me and and it's great because in this new society um identity has in order for the identity or the 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 new world to function correctly everybody's identity has to be identical right and in order for it so so that they get rid of like criminalization and they get rid of everything right it's like everything boils down to getting rid of everybody's if you will individualism right and and all the way down to literally their bodies Hmm. and so in the twilight zone they they take people that are born and in their teenage years this is when they do it they convert their bodies to the same image of the of all the other adults. So crazy. Yeah, yeah. and and it's so and 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 all the teen the teenagers like fight it. They're like, I don't want to be like, I want to be my own person. Yeah. I want to be individual. I want to be this, you know, yeah. and like I want to be a free society. And I want to, you know, they're fighting. They're they see there's an importance to individualism and 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 this this intimacy with a specific person and having having you guys be different from everybody else. And, right this kind of thing and but they end up having to go through it anyway right and then when they go through the conversion and they're like everybody else they go oh this is great yeah. <laughs> i look just like you yeah. <laughs> and they're all they're all beautiful of course right but they're all the same right you know but it and it and it's like it's like is that what we're doing is kind of like we're we're moving away from in, in a sense you trying to find your identity i mean it sounds like hollywood yeah. You go in LA and everyone looks the same. Right. <laughs> Everyone's got the same doctor. Right, right. But <laughs> so, is it like is it yeah. is it by trying to find is the right. philosophy of trying to find your identity really losing, losing your identity? No, that's a really good point. You know, you know and I think about like, you know, we're gonna have to bear the image of something. And the question is, is is God the only image that's I guess you could put it complex enough? to maintain everyone's individuality That's as right. they bear it. And I believe the answer is yes. I think any other image we take on, whether it's the image of a state, whether it's the image of a culture, whether it's the image of a movement, no matter what image you take on, it will eventually conform you into a singularity, right? It will take away your individuality. A single norm. Exactly. Where God is the only being in the universe that is, his, his being is so complex 
that every person on this planet right now who is bearing the image of God, if they converted to Christianity, he is a big enough God that everyone could bear his image perfectly while still remaining completely individuated from one another. Yeah, there's right. a true diversity in right. unity with God. Exactly. Where, where these these wonderful twilight zones yeah. and Orwellian thought makes you think of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's always that idea of you know there's one conformity and right. the thing is is you know and that's what we would have to be like we to get to a place where people can watch an image mm. and we don't care. Right. We're like, you know, we don't care because we're all it, we're all now just the same image. Right. You know, it really reality our, our bodies really don't matter. Right. It's just it's just the image, you know, that really, you know, you know, it's what you think kind of, right. thing, you know. Right. But uh, you know, it, it's just there's some interesting thoughts there. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so anyway, thanks for checking us out on the Better Pleasure podcast. You guys have a great one. Bye. Check out runninglight.org to begin our two video series, Take Flight and Love or Lust. You can also send us questions on Twitter at Running Light or on our runninglight.org podcast page. Like us on Facebook at Running Light Ministries, Psalm 36.8. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures.